I'm in this because I believe. I believe in God's power to change lives in a powerful, unexpected way. I was one of those lives. So was I. God saved and restored me. And that's why I joined the Life Action Team. So that I can share this message all across North America. Because I believe there's something more. Something powerful. Something joyful. Something important. When we come together to seek God's face. When churches set aside special time to focus on what matters most. I believe that world-changing revival is just as possible as the sun rising. I believe God can work miracles and that he still does. More than what we could even ask or imagine. And that's why I pray. That's why I seek. That's why I joined this ministry, this vision, this calling. And that's why we are sending our team. Because together with your church, we can ask God for something special. Lord, send revival and let it begin in us. Amen. Well, good morning. God is good and all the time. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here this morning. As you just saw this video from Life Action, they will be here in two weeks from now. We are on our eighth day of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as soon as we end on the 21st, the next day, Life Action will be here on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I would love for you to set aside that time, especially Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the 6 o'clock hour to come and be a part with us. I know that God is going to do amazing things as we fall on our face humbly before Him, seeking God to renew us and to revive us. Now, as we have shared with you in the past, we have several people that are coming with this team, and so we have houses for them to stay in. But we are still looking for two vehicles. Last week we had very few, but now we are almost um, almost full of vehicles that we need or, or satisfy the number that we need. But if you have an extra vehicle at your house that you'd be willing to let them borrow just for that week, uh, please see Brother Randy. He would love to uh, get you signed up and, and for you to help out with that. Also, the uh, Life Actions team will have a ladies' luncheon on January 24th at 11.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. There's no cost to attend, and child care is provided for this. Children will need to pack a lunch, though, and you can sign up um, in the lobby for, uh, for you to come and also for you to receive food if you would like to at the 11.30 hour for the ladies' luncheon. Now, we are in, as I shared with you, 21 days of prayer and fasting. It has been incredible. Um, we've done this for the last three years, and uh, this is our third, third year of doing this, and God has just been moving mightily. If you have the opportunity, Monday through Friday here, we meet from 12 to 1 o'clock, but I also recognize that many are working during that time, so you can also be praying there on your lunch hour um, and seeking the Lord, but, but it has been an incredible time here, and because of that, last week I shared at the spur of the moment, um, as I told you, I took one out of Brother Fred's playbook, um, that we, we opened up from 12 to 1 here on Sunday, so we're going to do that again today and even next Sunday. If you would like to stay afterwards, we'll have a time of prayer from 12 to 1. We usually get done around 11.45, so people will have time to, to leave if they need to. If you would like to stay, we'll be here from 12 to 1 today here in the auditorium. Also, one other thing that I want to share with you is that new members class will begin on January 29th, February 5th, and February 12th at 9 o'clock. 
We'll be meeting in here in the auditorium, and you can sign up at the no table. When you leave to your left, or to my left, your right, I guess, on that side. Um, Anyways, you can sign up there if you would like to come and be a part. But even if you didn't sign up, you can still show up on January 29th. We just like to know who's coming and who's going to be a part. For those who have come down front and shared that you want to join Luke 418, and we've shared with the church, we still ask that you would come and go to the new members class if you have not, so that you know everything that's going on here at Luke 418 Fellowship. Now, I want to take just a moment, um, and then I will pass it to to Brother Aaron, but I want to take just a moment because uh, usually at the beginning of the year, we do what we call a state of the church, um, uh, not address, but I share on a Sunday morning. But because we're in the prayer and fasting, and we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're right at the model prayer, I'm not going to take the time during the message to share everything from 2022. But I do want to share just a few things with you is that we saw amazing things take place in 2022. We've seen growth, not just numerically, but we've seen growth spiritually. And God has been blessing all the way from our children's, from our babies' ministry, all the way up through our youth ministry, our college ministry, and even into all the adults and senior adults. And I praise God because we have been on our face saying, Lord, we are desperately dependent on you for all things. Only God can do that here. We give Him all praise and glory. I also want to share with you that 2022 was uh, one of the the greatest uh, blessings that we have seen from God financially uh, as we went well above in giving towards our budget. And I want to thank you as as a body of Christ for what God has done in and through you. But I also want to share one other thing. At the end of 2021, by God's uh, mercy and grace, we were able to share that the debt of our building was paid off. And I don't know about y'all, but I I rejoice in that. I still rejoice in that. Amen. But I also shared with you that we were paying that off so that we could move forward with things that, that were in need here. Now, all throughout 2022, you may have been waiting for me to share with you, hey, this is what's going to happen or that. We have been on our face crying out to God for vision and direction. And I just want you to hear that I truly believe that in the next uh, few months that I'll be able to come and share with you, the church, the body of Christ, vision and direction on where we're headed uh, as a body of Christ. I just want to thank you for waiting and praying and spending that time. Throughout 2022, I thought that the Lord was leading us in one direction. And right in the middle of the year, the Lord gave me a check in my spirit. And in that moment, we just fell on our face and said, Father, we're not, we're not going to do anything until we have peace in our heart. And so I'm praying and truly believe that in the next few months, in 2023, that I'll be able to come and, and we'll meet together and share vision and direction um, uh, moving forward this year. So I just want you to hear that God has been blessing. It's been incredible. It is a joy and an honor to serve here as your pastor at Luke 418. And I want to thank you, but most of all, I want to praise and thank God for all that he has done. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. And let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Father, you are so good. And Father, everything that I just shared, it's all you. I take no credit. None of us can take credit in that, for it is you and you alone. It says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, you are the Lord God and there is no other. Father, it says that that you are in control of all things and we are called to submit to your lordship in all aspects of our life. 
Father, as the leadership of Luke 4.18, we recognize, as Solomon did in his prayer, that the job is too big and the people are too numerous. So, Father, give us wisdom to lead because we are in need of you, Father. And so thank you. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for directing us. And Father, may it be all about your kingdom here. May it be about your will. May it be about glorifying the name of Jesus. And so, Father, as we come together this morning, we want nothing more than your name to be glorified. Father, as we fall on our face in prayer and fasting, may your name be glorified. As we come together in a time of renewal, may your name be glorified. Father, you are so good, and we praise your holy name. May our offering be an instance of praise to you today. As we ascend the hill of the Lord, who can stand in your holy place but he who has clean hands and a pure heart? Father, we love you, we praise you, and we offer these praises to you in song this morning. Amen. 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 We're so glad to be here today. Would you stand and welcome somebody around you to Luke 418 Fellowship as we sing together. Come all you weary. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table, he will satisfy taste of his goodness find what you're looking for for God for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us whoever believes in him will live forever the power of hell defeated now it is well walking in freedom for God so loved God so loved the world bring all your failures bring your addictions come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting there with open arms For God so loved the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. The power of hell forever defeated. Now it is well. I'm walking in freedom for God so loved. God so loved the world. Amen. If you believe that today, would you join me in praising God today? Praise God. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. Praise Him. For the wonders of His love. Sing it again. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise
Jesus is waiting there with open arms. Amen. I love that that song gets it right. We don't have anything to put at the foot of the cross except for our failures, the things that are worldly, the things that are sinful. And then when we choose Him, He gives us His righteousness. Amen. In James 1.16, it tells us where all good things come from. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Listen to this. With whom there is no what? Variation or shifting shadow. We have a faithful God and He is the fount of every blessing. Sing together. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Amen. Yes, Lord. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good Sing this out. Jesus taught me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed His precious blood. His precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee Sing it out 
Amen. You can be seated as we continue in worship today. Amen. He gives us every good and every perfect gift, but He also gives us a word that is a firm foundation to stand on. And at its cornerstone is Jesus Christ, the name above every single other name. Do you believe it? Amen. Let's sing this together. My hope is built nothing less my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus name sing that again my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. Amen. In every high and stormy hill, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak and strong in the same.
say that today. Would you sing this chorus with us this one last time? Christ alone. Cornerstone. Sing it to him as a prayer. Christ alone. Cornerstone. we made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He's Lord of all. We just said that our God is the Father of lights that has no variation or shadow or change. Everything around us may change, but God will never change. And He is always taking care of us. Even in the dark times, we can say it is well with our soul. When peace like a river Attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll. When my face shall 
Father, we live in victory because of your son. We know that it was finished on the cross, that death has been defeated, and that we have new life in you. We have your righteousness to lead and to guide us through your Holy Spirit that you've given to us. We pray that we would become more like you each and every day, knowing you a little bit better, growing in you, abiding in you together as we meet as the family of God that we would go in you to all the world. We pray that today we would be able to say it as well with our soul, that we would not look to the left or to the right, but look up to an unchanging, all-merciful and all-gracious God, one who is holy and that will not change. We pray that today we would give you the, the prayers of our heart, Lord, being sure to thank you in everything that we do because you've given us so much, Lord. We thank you for this time that we get to focus on your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Denise, will you lead us?
Amen. For those who do not know, that was the Lord's Prayer um, in song and music played on the piano. Miss Denise, God has blessed you beyond measure with the ability to play. And uh, just thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open up to Matthew chapter 6. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for about half a year now. We're uh, quickly coming to the end of the middle of chapter 6. Um, and today we're going to pick back up in what I call the model prayer. Many people call it the Lord's Prayer. I want to read Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 and then we will jump down to verse 9. Because if you remember, Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 is kind of this overview statement of all three of these righteous acts, giving, prayer, and fasting. And it says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. In verse 9, Jesus says this, Pray in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your Father, your Heavenly Father, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Let's pray. Father, you are so good, and we praise your holy name. We recognize that we are dependent upon you for all things. And today, Father, I ask that you would speak in and through me, that you would place me on the front row to hear what you are saying, that I would grow according to your word. Father, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will illuminate the pages today that we may place this in our heart, And by the power of the Holy Spirit, live this out in our life. Father, you are so good. And we praise your holy name. We know you're here. Now open our eyes to see your presence in this place. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As we saw in Matthew 6, 1, this overview, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. I want to be careful for us to understand that it doesn't say, Don't practice your righteousness before men. It simply says, Beware of doing this with a motive of wanting people to see what you are doing. Some people may say, well, David, if it says this, then we don't need to have a prayer meeting where people are speaking to each other and praying together. No, the Bible tells us all throughout the Scripture for us to meet together, for us to pray together. The question is not about whether you're in front of people or not. The question is the motive of the heart. This passage is saying, check your heart, check your motives, and make sure that they're pure, that you're praying to God, and not simply so that people would think highly of you. Last week, we saw in verses 5 through 8, two warnings before Jesus gives this model prayer. 
He tells them not to simply stand in public wanting people to see you. He also says, don't think that your rambling or your better words are going to make you more heard um, than just letting your heart be laid out bare before God. And then he gives us this model prayer. And I think this is very important to note. I, I didn't share this last week. But we see these three righteous acts here. We see giving or giving. We see prayer and we see fasting. In all three of these, Jesus gives us warnings. Beware, right? But only here in prayer does Jesus go even further and say, pray this way. Let me give you an example of how to pray. Because even the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. I believe that the reason that the model prayer that Jesus speaks this is because of how important it is and what a blessing that we have to come before our Father in prayer. We can only do this because the blood of the Lamb has torn the veil in the temple from top to bottom. Because of that, Hebrew says that we can confidently come before the throne of grace. We can confidently come before our Father in prayer. Not on our own righteousness, but on the righteousness that we have received through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's the same as when we stand before the throne one day, when we breathe our last, we'll stand before the judgment seat of God. And in that moment, we can only stand not on our own righteousness, not on our own achievements, not on our church membership, not on our good works, but we can only stand before the Father by the righteousness of Jesus that has been placed on us because of our trust and faith in Christ and what Jesus did upon the cross. Now, in this model prayer, we see first who we're praying to, our Father, right? We talked about this last week. I want to give you one major point there, and that is this. The only people that can call God Father are those who are in Christ Jesus, those who have been born again. The Scripture even says, those who are not born again, you are of the devil, your Father. So those, listen, God's creator of all, but He's only Father to those who have been adopted through the blood of Jesus Christ, those who have been born again. Now, there's six petitions here. The first three petitions we looked at last week. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let me remind you that the uh, focus on God comes before the focus on ourself or on us. First we see, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then the last three petitions move to give us, forgive us, and lead us. Remember last week I gave an illustration that if your priorities are not right, you'll have no room left for God. But when you put God first in your life and in your prayer time, then everything else can come alongside of that with God being the center. So today we're going to pick up with these three us's. We must always start with God, not ourself. And let me just remind you that when we focus on who we are praying to, then all of our difficult situations and all of our needs become very small. Remember, what did the angel say to Mary? Nothing is impossible with God. What did Paul say to the Ephesian saints? God can do far more abundantly than you could ever ask or think. When you dwell on the holiness of God and His kingdom and His will, I'm telling you that all the situations and circumstances in your life take mountains and they become molehills. 
See, often we like to take molehills and make them mountains. But praise God, in view of Jesus, listen, our mountains become molehills. They become much of nothing because of who our God is. He's our provider, our protector. We talked about all that in the names of God last week. So let's pick up in verse 11. Verse 11, 12, and 13, we see these three petitions that say, give us. The first one in verse 11 is, give us this day our daily bread. Give us daily bread. Now, I have to stop here for a moment. This absolutely just makes my mind go crazy. Because think about what just happened. Think about this transition that just took place by Jesus in the model prayer. He says, holy is God, set apart, holy, 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 hallowed be thy name, right? Provider, a protector, he's all in all, he's the great I am. He just said his kingdom, God's kingdom, how big is God's kingdom? I mean, come on, it's, I mean, we can't even fathom it. He's talking about God's holiness, he's talking about God's kingdom, and he's talking about God's will, and then he says, Give us daily bread. He goes from this grand focus on the holiness of God to our daily needs. Church, God is intimately acquainted with all of your ways. Listen, when you think of how big God is, we're like a speck of dust on this earth, but he cares about you and your daily needs. We go from the grandness of his kingdom and his will to the fact that God cares about your daily needs. David, the psalmist, spoke this so clearly, how, uh, how he felt knowing all of this in Psalm 139. This is what he says in verses 2 through 6 of Psalm 139. He says, you know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. He says, you scrutinize my path and my laying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. And look at, look at what he says. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it. You know it all. You have enclosed me before, behind and before and laid your hand upon me. And here's what he says. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot obtain it. I mean, think about this. He says, such knowledge that the Creator God who spoke and, and light came out of His mouth is acquainted with all my ways. He even knows the words before I speak them. He says, that knowledge just overwhelms me. And then he goes on in verse 17 and 18. He says, How precious also are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. Church, if that doesn't overwhelm you today, then I don't know what can overwhelm you. That creator God of the universe, great I am, spoke earth into existence, says that he's concerned even about your daily, your daily needs. Now as we look at this, give us our daily, our daily bread, before we ask for our daily bread, we must make sure that our priorities are in order. That's the reason why Jesus starts with, holy is thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, before we ask for our daily needs. 
Otherwise, if we go first to our daily needs, it will be very easy for us to ask according to our will and not according to God's will. Remember, matter, uh, script, uh, order in Scripture matters. Look at what it says in 1 John 5, verse 14 through 15. He says this, This is the uh, confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to what? His will, He hears us. Sometimes we miss according to His will. And it says, And if, he, if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from Him. This is why order matters. We ask according to God's will when we put God, holy is His name, His kingdom, and His will before everything about us. Church, when we ask according to His will, we know that He hears us and we know that He will answer. What's interesting is He says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us today, this day, our daily bread. Jesus is saying, pray today for your daily needs. Sometimes we ask for our wants instead of our needs, right? Sometimes we ask for a want and not a need. Now, we're in need of food, but we may want a steak, right? Sometimes we get focused on the wants of our life and we miss praying for the need. You know, we want, we want good health, right? But what we need is the strength every day to walk through whatever health we have. Think about that for a minute. We need the strength every day to walk through the situations and the circumstances of life, which, praise God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, He gives us. So sometimes we ask for a want instead of a need, but can I just tell you, sometimes God gives us a need, though we don't want it. I have a great example of this. When I was a kid, and my dad's here today, there was multiple times that, as a kid, I sure did not want to get a spanking. But according to my dad, I sure needed it. Church, Sometimes God gives us that which we need, though we don't realize that we want it. But then he also says this. He says, give us this day our daily bread. This idea of bread brings us back to this idea of manna that was in the Old Testament. And let me just remind you that in the Old Testament, when manna was given to them, they were called to only pick up a day's worth. If they picked up two days' worth, then After that day, the manna that they had stored up would be infested with maggots. Now, if you don't believe me, you can go read that in the Old Testament. And the reason for this was because they were not showing their trust in God that He would be their provider every day. If God said, trust me today, only get what you're called today, then tomorrow I'll take care of you, you trust me. But you go and say, okay, well, God's given me all of this here. I'm going to store it all up. Even though he told me just trust him for tomorrow, but I'm going to store it all up. What are we saying? We're saying we know a better way than God does. God even says that the reason he did this was to test them and to teach them and to show them. Church, we must be careful to recognize That God is the one who is our provider today, and He's the one who is our provider tomorrow. 
When we ask God for daily bread, we are reminding ourselves that we are desperately in need of God for all things. Now, can we be very transparent that in America, sometimes we get lost in this idea. This idea of trusting God for daily needs kind of slides to the side. And I want you to know that this week, the Lord gave me a specific word for me and for you. I want to share with you how this word came about. Over the last 20, well, over the last seven days, it will be 21 days, but over the last seven days, we have been spending time in prayer and fasting. On Thursday, after we had prayed Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on Thursday, I was sitting right down here, and as we were praying, Brother Oliver prayed a prayer. And as he was praying this prayer, he said this. He said to the Lord, he said, I was listening to an interview that Manly Beasley spoke to the Life Action Team. Now, let me just remind you, Life Action Team is coming here in two weeks. And Manly Beasley was asked, why don't we see revival today? And Manly Beasley said this, because we don't need God. Because in America, people think that they don't need God. That began to break my heart. Why are we not seeing revival? People think that they are self-sufficient. So I hear that prayer, and the Lord brings to me a passage, and I'll share that passage with you. But as soon as we were finished with praying, I went to my office, and I began just reading, not knowing that Martin Lloyd-Jones was also going to speak about this. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, but we must emphasize next another aspect. We must all realize our utter dependence upon God even for our daily bread. If God willed it so, we should have no daily bread. He could, without, he could withhold the sun and its influence. He could stop the rain. He could make our land absolutely barren so that the farmers with all of his modern implements and chemicals could not raise a crop. He could blast the crop if he wanted to. We are absolutely in the hand of God. And the supreme folly of the 20th century is the folly of thinking that because we have acquired a certain amount of knowledge of the law of God, we are independent of him. We cannot live for a day without him. Nothing would continue were it not sustained and kept going by God. Give us this day our daily bread is a good thing for us at least once a day, but rather, but often is better to remind ourselves that our time, our health, and our existence are in his hands. Our food and all of these necessity, necessary things come from him, and we are dependent upon his grace and his mercy for them. You know, the Lord's starting to get my attention. Mainly Beasley says that the problem in America is that we don't need God. Martin Lloyd-Jones says the problem in the 20th century is that with all the technology and all these things that we have forgotten that we are daily in need of God. Well, I've been reading this year Jesus Calling. Right after I put that down, I pick up to the day. January 5th was the day. And this is what it says in Jesus Calling. You can achieve the victorious life through living in deep dependence on me. People usually associate victory with success, not failing or stumbling, not making mistakes. But those who are successful in their own strength tend to go their own way, forgetting about me. It is through problems and failures, weakness 
and neediness that you learn to rely on me. True dependence is not simply asking me to bless what you have decided to do. It is coming to me with an open mind and heart, inviting me to plant my desires within you. I may infuse within you a dream that seems far beyond your reach. You know that in yourself you cannot achieve such a goal. Thus begins your journey of profound reliance on me. It is a faith walk, taken one step at a time, leaning on me as much as you need. This is not a path of continual success, but of multiple failures. However, each failure is followed by growth spurts, nourished by increased reliance on me. Enjoy the blessedness of victorious life through depending, through deepening your dependence on me. I said, Lord, that's three times that you have told me is our dependence upon you. Then the Lord brought me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 through 20. Beware. That you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become what? Proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness and its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness he fed you manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and my strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to make wealth, and He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. It shall come about that if you ever forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods, and serve them and worship them, I testify against you today that you will surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish, because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Church, in my Bible, not written in there this week, but years ago, I wrote next to that, so often this is America. That we find ourselves in our own power and our own strength because of the wealth of this land. Four times on that Thursday that the Lord said, David, do you truly trust that I'm your provision today? And tomorrow. Church, if what Manly Beasley is correct, then one of the biggest stumbling blocks of us seeing revival is the lack of trust or need of Jesus. And can I tell you that there was a fifth one? I had a friend call me, text me, not knowing anything that I had gone through, not knowing what I had read, not knowing the scriptures, not knowing what the Lord was speaking on me, or putting on my heart, not picking on me, speaking on me. And this friend said, you've got to listen to this, David. It was three minutes. It was by Alistair Begg. 
I, I, I really enjoy listening to Alistair Begg's teaching, mainly because of his accent, for those who have heard Alistair Begg. And in Alistair Begg's three-minute statement, he says this, We must live every day in view of the cross. We must live every day in view of the finished work of Christ. Isn't it interesting, and I'm paraphrasing this, you can go on YouTube and you can watch this, but I'm paraphrasing it, but he said, isn't it interesting that when somebody asks, how will you, how do you know that you're going to go to heaven? How, how do you know? And oftentimes, this is our response, I believe in Jesus. I trust. I submit it. I pray to prayer. What's interesting is, is that we put the I before the finished work of Christ. Because when we're asked, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? We know because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. How do I know that I'm set free from the bondage of sin, death, and the grave? It's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that in our culture, we quickly shift that back to what I, 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 and then he said this, which is humorous, but so true. Alistair Begg said, can you imagine the thief on the cross? Can you imagine him coming up to heaven? And all of a sudden at the pearly gates there, they're saying, hey, whoa, whoa, hold up. Like, is your name on this list? How, how, do you know what justification means? Like, what, like hold up, like, we've got to make sure. How, how do you know? How do you know? How are you able to come into the kingdom of God? How are you able? And the thief on the cross would have probably said something like this. All I know is that the man in the middle cross told me I could come. All I know is that Jesus said that I could come. But church, how often do we get focused on our own ability to provide for ourselves? How often do we get focused in on what we have gathered to take care of the next day? And listen, there's nothing wrong with, with putting stuff in the storehouse for the next day. But let me tell you, if your reliance is upon the storehouse, you've missed it. Our reliance is upon Christ Jesus and the finished work of Christ upon the cross. Could that be what's stopping revival in our nation? Because when I went to South Asia just a few months ago, let me tell you, when these Christians were praying, God, give me daily bread, they recognized that if God didn't show up, they had no bread for tomorrow. Do we fall on our face and say, God, if you don't show up today, then I'm in trouble. Even with all that I have, even with all the technology, even with everything that has been blessed and given to us, if I don't fall on my face today, oh God, then I am ruined. If you don't show up today, I am ruined, God. I need you and you alone. Give me today that daily bread. May I be desperately dependent upon God for all things. And may that be the cry of our heart, church. You say, David, that was, that was a lot of confirmation. 
Yeah, when God speaks something one time, it's important. When he speaks it two, it's really important. When he speaks it three, you better be listening. I don't know what to say when he tells me five times in a day. Other than, Lord, are my ears like clogged? Am I missing it? Church, do we truly cry out daily, God, give me daily bread. You're my provision. My trust is in you. When we cry out for revival, for renewal, do we recognize that we are dependent on God and God alone to bring that? When we breathe right now, do we recognize that we're dependent upon God for the oxygen, for the blood that's pumping, for the heart that's beating? We are dependent upon God for all things. He continues in verse 12. And I think that I will just give this point and then we'll close today. But he continues with this, forgive us. In verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, we can only be forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, as we've seen in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, It says, if we confess our sins, He, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Church, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. It's only by Christ that we can be forgiven. And you may say, but David, I thought that once we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we have been forgiven for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. And that is absolutely true. But we're still walking through the sanctification process. One scholar, I believe it was John Stott, I didn't write it down in my notes, and what the mind forgets, the pen never will. The problem is I didn't write it down. But I believe it was John Stott that said, in this moment... We as God's children are crying out to our Father. But oftentimes, when we think of this forgiveness, past, present, and future, that's standing before God the judge. Here, we are crying out to God our Father, and we say, anything that we have done, search me and know me, show me anything that I may fall on my knees in repentance before holy God. 1 John chapter 2, right after that which was said in 1 John 1, 9, it says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the whole world. Yes, yes, by the blood of the Lamb, our sins have been forgiven, but we are called daily to seek God for forgiveness for the things in our life that we have uh, lacked to, to lay before his throne, for the areas of our life that we are walking in sin. Even David, a man after God's own heart, walked in sin and he said this in Psalm 51, he says, before you and you alone have I sinned. He says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. I believe that it was Miss Bertha who said that we are called to confess our sins up to date. 
we must remember that God knows our heart. We've seen that in Psalm 139. I've quoted it so many times. I love 23 and 24. Search me and know me. Show me any evil way about me. Any iniquity in my heart. But can I tell you that when we've truly been forgiven from a debt that we could not pay, when we've truly experienced forgiveness of a debt that we could not pay, then we will live as people who forgive. See, it's only someone who's been born again that recognized that they had a debt that led them to death and hell that they could not pay. But praise God, by the blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross and the resurrection from the dead, we've been set free. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me to forgive us from that which we could never pay in our own power. Church, if you're truly born again, if you've truly recognized the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, then we're going to be men and women who live in forgiveness of others. What does it say here? It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. When we forgive others, we reflect the image and character of God. When we forgive others, we allow the Holy Spirit to go forth through us. To give us the power to forgive others. I'm reminded. Well, excuse me. Jesus actually continues this uh, understanding in verse 14 and 15. Right after this model prayer. He said, for if you forgive others for your transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Let me be very crystal clear here. God is not saying, Jesus is not saying that you earn forgiveness by forgiving others. What Jesus is saying is that if you've truly been forgiven, then you understand forgiveness and you will forgive others. You will truly pay, or or, excuse me, forgive others of the debts that they have done against you because you've been forgiven of a debt that you could never pay. A further example of this is in Matthew 18 of the unforgiving servant. If you, uh, you can go home and you can read Matthew 18, 23 through 35, but let me just summarize it to you. This servant had a debt that would have uh, taken him lifetimes to pay off and, and he was forgiven. And then he went out and required the debt that was very, very little to some, from someone to be paid. And because they couldn't pay it, then, then he was wanting to, 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 to go forward with all that he was at right to do. But let's pick up in verse 34 and 35. It says this in Matthew 18. It says, And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed of him. My heavenly Father will also do the same if if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. See, when the king found out that he had gone out and acted so wickedly against his own fellow person, He said, how dare you? I forgave you of something so much greater, but yet you would not forgive of a little. And Jesus says, my heavenly Father, which also will also do the same. If you, church, have truly understood forgiveness, then you will be men and women who walk in forgiveness. 
when somebody does a wrong or, or says something against you or does something against you, then your heart, yes, there's a moment of that emotion of pain and frustration and hurt. But that's the reason why we can't be led by our emotions. We have to be led by truth. And the truth is that though that hurts, we have been forgiven for so much and we're called to forgive that person. Even before that person comes to you. Even before that person recognizes what they've done, we're called to forgive them. And can I also just give one last statement on this about forgiveness? Though we could talk for hours, hours, days, days, weeks, and months on forgiveness. But can I tell you that forgiveness doesn't mean that what the other person did was right. Oftentimes I've heard somebody say, I can't forgive this person because it would let them think that, that how they acted and what they said and what they did was right. And I said, where do you see that in the Scripture? Listen, forgiveness is making things right with your brother or your sister in Christ and releasing a debt. Forgiveness isn't about saying what you did was actually right. Church, that's the reason why at our house... As I've told you before, I'll say it again for those who are visitors today at our house. I don't believe in saying you're sorry. Now, if you knock over the milk or if you drop something and make a mess or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I had I, There was an accident, you know. But when you've done something against your brother or your sister or your parents in our house, you're not going to say you're sorry. You're going to ask that person for forgiveness. Because when you ask that person for forgiveness, you are humbly laying yourself before that person saying, will you forgive me? And in that moment, you've done everything that you can do. Will you forgive me? Yeah, you should be sorry. If I just say, hey, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. No, in our house, you're going to ask for forgiveness. And can I tell you what's really interesting is when dad goes up to his three, four, five-year-old daughter and say, will you, will you forgive me for being frustrated? For allowing my emotions? So from a young age, my kids have even heard mom and dad say, hey, will you forgive me? Church, if we're truly, if we truly have been forgiven, if we truly recognize that it's only by the finished work of Jesus that I have been set free. Then we're going to be men and women who walk in forgiveness. We're going to be men and women who walk according to God's holy word. Not trying to build up protection and provision for years and years, but saying, I trust you today. And tomorrow, you got it too. It's all yours. Church, I was planning on finishing the model prayer today, but obviously we have run out of time. And I truly believe that we can't leave this place without having a time of response and prayer. Because when I look at what God has spoken, spoken to me, and I believe that He has called me to speak it to you, and I'm not saying that as, hey, I'm standing up here, let me get down here with you and say God's speaking it to me. Just as much as he is to you. Do we recognize our utter dependence 
on Christ? Do we recognize that we're in need of Christ for all things? Do we recognize the power of praying, Father, give me today my daily bread. Yes, my refrigerator is it got some stuff in it. Yeah, I get that. But God, I also know that that can all be removed. Yes, Father, I know that there's money in my account that I can go to Publix or Winn-Dixie or Walmart or wherever you go shopping. But Father, I also recognize without your grace and without your mercy, I'm in trouble. Church, have we gotten past the need of God? Because if we have, revival's not coming until we repent. Renewal's not coming in our lives until we fall on our face before God and we say, will you forgive me for trusting even in your blessings more than you? For trusting in my own ability more than you? So church today, may we just have a true heart check. And may we just cry out to God.